The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. Thank you very much indeed. Welcome along. This is episode 185 of the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This one is for the week beginning 24 September 2012. My name is Edwin Herman. I'd like to welcome to the show our regular panellist, Brett King. Hello. Brett, how are you this week? I'm perfectly fine. How are you? I'm not bad. I've got no complaints. I've gotten over my bug. I, I, I came down with a with a bug, but the antibiotics quickly got rid of that. Excellent. Aren't antibiotics fantastic? Except when we create super they are bugs as a when result. Used properly. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> exa- yeah, when <laughs> used properly, they're perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. Although for, that's for, of course, for bacteria, uh, for viruses, there's really not much you can do, is there? Still. Well, there are lots of antivirals. They just have have horrible side effects. I didn't know that. You know what, Brett? I was just reflecting on the fact that we haven't had guests for quite a long time, right? Oh, we haven't. Not for quite a number of episodes. What say we get a couple of guests in uh, this this week? What do you say? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brett. You would sure, hit. why not? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, eh? Because on the show this week, we actually have two innovative and entrepreneurial Kiwis they started Notable, which is an online app that allows students to compare and share lecture notes and even enter into real-time discussion. They are Hingji Wang and Jordan Toms. Guys, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. Thank you. Hey, it's great to have you on the show this week. And the reason, of course, we got you on the show is because you kind of made big news recently. You were on the on the Herald. You were, in fact, in a lot of places uh, online, but in particular... Uh, quite notable, I should say, if I can use a pu- uh, work in a pun here, uh, on on the Herald. <laughs> they did a story about you guys. You started, uh, or you created, I should say, an online app called Notable. Yep. So we created an online app, and it works on all browsers, and it's designed specifically for students to use either in class or during study at home. Take me through it, and... I guess, you know, um, explain it to our listeners, bearing in mind that our listeners may not come from a university or a academia background. Sure. So Notable is a clever note-taking application that allows you to effortlessly take notes down. So what that means is you load up a document, you start typing, just like that. Whatever you're typing gets associated with whatever page you're looking at. And why we think this is something that's important is because when you start taking notes down on a PDF, you have to click, you know, at least three times in something like Adobe Acrobat Reader or Apple Preview if you're using a Mac to get to a point where you can actually start typing notes down. And by then, if you repeat that a couple hundred times per semester, that, that can become quite frustrating. So... That's the that's one of the reasons why we've developed this feature called effortless note taking. There's also another feature called uh, real time collaboration. It's pretty self explanatory. Whatever you type, 
gets shared across every other uh, computer that's viewing that same document at the same time. And you can reply to annotations. So if annotation is a question, someone else sitting on the opposite side of the classroom can go and reply to it with some sort of answer. Or lecturer can even log in and you know answer some of the questions a little bit later down the line. Wow, now that, so, has, that has a lot of potential. Yeah, so that's... This is why students are so excited about it and why, you know, we've been growing really, really quickly as word of mouth goes around the university. And when Notable got into the Herald, our growth just shot up substantially. So you yourselves are are at Auckland University, right? You're both students there? Yeah. Both in your final year of what, software engineering, is that right? Yeah. Obviously, you've got a, a lot of people using this and you're in amongst that crowd, if you like. What's the feedback you've been receiving personally? I think in general, you know, the feedback has been quite positive. You know, one person came up to me when we were talking about it in class and he said to me, you know, I wish you came up with this idea earlier because I'm about to graduate and I can only use this application for the next four weeks. And some other feedback that we received, someone else said something on the lines of, you know, this app makes me want to go back to uni. Um, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's basically what she said. Oh, so. Those are some strong compliments. Did you get any suggestions for develop, you know, future development for new features or, or perhaps changes to existing features at all? There's been quite a lot of, there's, I mean, there's a lot of areas where this can go, where it's not gone right now. So things like being able to actually write as opposed to use your keyboard so you can write with a tablet or something on the slides and that sort of functionality. Most of the other things that people have brought up, like privacy, still want to be able to share their notes only with certain people. That's sort of thing we've actually already implemented because we've been working on it for quite a while. So it's been so that was off, to, to so that was off the, right. So that was off the back of a, a suggestion from from one of the users, right? Yeah. Cool. So when we started off, we had like no privacy control at all. Um, everything was public, or at least the people in your courses, everyone could see it. Everybody in your course could see everything that you wrote. But a lot of people actually who we're talking to said, well, actually, I want to share it only with certain people. So that was one of the first things that we actually went back and added in. And that's that's been quite popular. Now, tell me about the different roles you've played in this. There are two. In fact, there are, I think, even three of you, perhaps, involved in this. Who, so, who, who did, who did uh, what? <laughs> sure. So uh, both me and Jordan are software engineers. So we do the engineering side of things. So developing the application, writing the code, setting up the you know, back-end infrastructure and things like that. If we were to sort of divide this up even further, Jordan would be the person working more on the back-end, um, so like on the servers, on the cloud, um, and I would be probably working more on the front-end, though we've swapped roles quite a bit because it's not something that we can't handle without each other. So that's sort of where we are there. Olive is handling all of our marketing media side of things. So she's the creative one on our team. So she's the one that got you guys into the Herald, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, She would be the person. Excellent. So I guess amongst the three of you, you you obviously work well together. Did you all know each other well when you embarked on this? So me and Henji have been friends since first year of university, so sort of uh, four years now. And Right, and and Olive comes into this where? How how did you you know So I met. Um, while I was organizing a conference 
And this conference was called the IEEE Student, the IEEE Region 10 Student Gold WIE Congress 2012, uh, 2011, sorry. And this was last year, and Olive was our creative director for that team. And from then, I've worked with her a lot. And she's also my girlfriend now. So oh, uh, that's where she's. Right. That's neat. That's awesome. Sounds like a, a very good team. So, also, Auckland University, I understand, has integrated this into CECL, right? Yep. Can you tell us what is CECL? So, CECL is a basically a place where you go to as a student to get your announcements, your files, um, have discussions with other students, get your marks and, and submit your assignments. And... We've been integrated in a CECL in the sense that all the files in CECL for um, a particular course is now accessible by us if someone goes in and links it up to CECL. So if there's a course like Math 101, for instance, if that's on Notable, someone can go on Notable and link that course to CECL and then the files in CECL synced over to us so that means you don't have to download the files and then re-upload it to Notable or if you're just using it on a computer you know you don't have to download the files all you have to do is just punch in your username and password and then you're ready to go. That's really good did it take the university a bit of persuading to do that or were they you know open from the beginning? It didn't take a huge amount of persuading I mean we've been talking to the university for quite a while and it sort of started off being less than the functionality of now and sort of talked to them more and integrated things in more. So they bought an API basically for us and we've been using that. There's still some things we'd like to make closer in terms of the integration, but we've we've been doing pretty well. I think the university's been very open to it, which has been great. Now, I actually met with some university people, was it last, I think, oh, in the week just been actually, one of which was the uh, IT training coordinator from University of Auckland. And had I realised, I should have suggested because, you know, perhaps they could run some training courses on Notable. Although I guess you guys would say that you don't need training on Notable. It's it's that intuitive, right? <laughs> I guess that's, that was the uh, the aim of how Place you would have designed for, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, um, it looks very Twitter-like the, to me. Really? Okay. That's the first time someone's suggested that to well, us. I'm only but... going, well, I'm, I'm only going off the, the screenshots. Of, of course, I don't have access to this, so I haven't used it. I can't say I've used it. I don't know. It just it looks very, um, I don't know. There are some similarities there to me, which I, I think is a good thing. I mean, well, it's a long boat to draw. I mean, the whole the whole Web 2.0 is a bit like, is all the same really in, in some respects, depending at what level you look at. So where are you going to go next with this? Because you guys are in your final year. Are there plans to keep this up and keep maintaining it and perhaps keep developing this beyond whatever happens next for you guys? So we are currently a 100K qualifier for the Spark competition, which means that um, as a team, we go and submit our venture summary or venture plan. And then if we win it, we'd win some sort of seed capital and we'd win some office space to go into the ice house and be there and be incubated for, I think, three to six months. So we definitely have plans to continue this further. I mean, if we were just to be developing this for, say, for this year and then not work on it, then uh, we probably wouldn't have put so much effort into it. So this is something that we definitely want to be able to move into uh, for 2013. 
So can I ask either of you, and maybe I don't know whether you can answer this because perhaps it's a little bit of a secret, but how do you plan to monetize on this? So we plan to license this to the university. That's our ultimate goal. And through that, we can then go and look at ways of even integrating Notable even further into the university systems. Like, for instance, have it on Cecil, for instance, so that you could load up Cecil, click on a link that says open with Notable next to a file, and then have Notable be the application that views your PDF documents. Right, so a full integration model. And I guess from my limited understanding, because I I haven't really been exposed to Cecil, but I have been exposed to a, a product called Blackboard. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It sounds like Blackboard is just a, another variant of the same, uh, you know, same kind of product as Cecil. Do, have you guys heard of Blackboard at all? Um, yeah, so they was used at my uh, previous school. So right, is that so? Is that pretty much the same thing as Cecil? Same kind of product, right? Is that right? It's, it's a very similar sort of product. I mean, Cecil has actually been developed in house by the university, but oh, it does, does, oh. does similar sorts of things. Right. Okay. I didn't uh, realize it was developed in house. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I know a number well, of the universities in New Zealand are using Blackboard, and I, the reason I brought this up is I wondered whether the Blackboard integration could be, you know, on the cards for you. I think we'd definitely look at it. We'd have to have a university to work with, obviously, to, you know, have someone to test it against and have a reason to do it. But it's definitely something we'd look at. We're always keen to actually try and get into more universities and, integrated with more other systems. Well, so. well, you know what? Brett and I just might be able to help you. Right, Brett? Sure. I think you should talk to Victoria University of Wellington. That's, I would definitely recommend that. We can talk later. So, Brett, what are your thoughts on That's this? Awesome. Cool. Um, I think it's a, a brilliant app, and I love that it's uh, that you guys have developed it first, being internet-based and accessible through browsers, making it completely cross-platform and, you know, basically multi-device capable. But I was wondering, have you pondered, considered making specific apps for different mobile devices, like an iOS app, a uh, Android app, that sort of thing, which directly connects instead of going through a browser? Yeah, so, I mean, I've actually previously worked as both an iOS developer and an Android developer. So it's something I know a bit about. And it's something that we'll definitely be looking at. What I know is that it adds a lot of time to development if you're always trying to oh, try yeah. and keep three versions of your application uh, in parallel going. Mm. So I think now we've got the server side solid and we've got the website running quite well, that's something that we'll look at doing is trying to expand it onto those platforms. We may also look at doing it through an HTML5 app. We'll have to see whether we can get the right sort of experience to that. So we're looking at that sort of, th- that sort of stuff over time. What's it written in? Uh, it's Ruby on Rails is the main back end of uh, There's Ruby lots of other Rails. bits as well. Right. Okay. But uh, it's like a starchy Ruby. Ruby on Rails seems to be um, the big thing at the moment. I've, I must admit I've never really gotten into it myself. That and Python. Although Python's been yeah. around for a while, but it seems to be sort of... Python's been around for a very long time. A long time, time but and just it lately. it is all over the place, not just on, yeah, not just for web. It's, yeah, you find Oh, yeah, Python it's just a general purpose. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I'm familiar with one of the mailing list uh, products, uh, Mailman, that's all written in Python, but, and then that's nothing yeah. to do with web. All but, of the plugins for, all the plugins I use for Blender are 
um, most of them are Python. Right. It just seems like of late, Python's got this sort of resurgence. Well, I think, um, I mean, there's sort of dynamic languages in general that are very popular right now. I mean, Ruby's been around for quite a while as well, but it's only really taken off in probably the last five years or maybe, right. maybe seven years. Right. Certainly when I was over in San Francisco, everybody there, or a lot of people there are using Ruby, and a lot of people are using Python as well. There's also, I mean, Ruby on Rails is now not the bleeding edge thing. It's become a bit more stable and useful in a way. So there's things like Clojure, which is what uh, the bleeding edge is at Google. now. So, right. Uh, yeah, no, Google the, uses Clojure. Uh, I don't think they do. There's there's two things called Clojure, uh, which is... Oh, you mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I was talking about the web framework. So there's exactly, a web yeah. framework and a language. There's called... a web framework and a and a programming language. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Both pronounced it's the same. Quite confusing. Yeah. Yeah. That, I can imagine <laughs> that would be. Oh dear. Especially since they're both like modern and quite popular technologies. So I've just googled yeah. a. So, yeah, I've just googled some examples of the programming language. So Jordan, tell us about San Francisco. What's it like over there? Or what was it like over there? I should say when you were when you were there. Uh, it was great. It's really quite an um, amazing environment. It sort of, uh, it feels like you've gone into this sort of bizarre world where nerds basically rule everything <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's sort of, uh, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the, certainly the vibe over there. But all the meetups and everything were just fantastic. And what I, the work I was doing was also great. And was I was working hard, but I was also getting a lot out of it and enjoying it a lot. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's a real mix of people, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you go to some companies and you talk to everyone there and, you know, everyone's been there sort of less than six months at uh, the company. And then you talk to people like where they were before and most of you have been in San Francisco for less than six months. You know, so there's always people from all over the world everywhere you go. I certainly didn't, certainly no one looks at you strangely for... Having a, having a different accent or being from a different country because everyone's, you know, virtually nobody who actually lives in San Francisco is from San Francisco. Right, at least right. in the tech industry. It's all people from all over. So, now, Hingji, you were yeah. also in San Francisco as well, right? I was working at Quid, which is a big data startup that takes a lot of data and tries to analyze it and provide meaningful reports about, say, the competitive marketplace and, and stuff like that. So it was very exciting to be there. We were both, both Jordan and I were there at the same time and we were able to spend Christmas and New Year's there as well as a few holidays. And it was just, it was just amazing. Uh, the people there uh, was also amazing. I think Jordan's covered most of it, but it certainly is a place to go if you're someone who is doing software engineering or is interested in you know, entrepreneurship. Now, what's that famous street that zigzags its way down that uh, I think Steve Jobs, was it Steve Jobs that did a, a demo of, well, I don't know, it must have been uh, an iPhone with GPS or enabled or something going down the down, down that street. Do you know the one I'm referring to? I do know the one you're referring to. I can't remember what it was called. I'm not it's sure if North I actually... Beach. I think it's the one in North Beach, right? I can't remember where the it is. In... really famous windy one. Yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah. Everyone listening to the podcast is going, come on, guys, it's called 
you know, why can't you say? Why can't you get it? Uh, Lombard Street, I think. It's called. Sorry, yeah. what was that? Lombard Street. Lombard Street, is it? Lombard Street. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, and anyone listening is going. Are, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, Lombard is the one. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Did you guys? Did either you of you go there? Pardon? Sorry, did either of you go there? Yeah, I went there. The view there is spectacular. I went there at nighttime, and you could basically see the whole of the Bay Area, the mm. Golden Gate Bridge, and also the Bay Bridge, as well as uh, what was it called? Um, Alcatraz. You can oh, also right. See. Yeah. Can you see that from, from there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got a, an absolutely amazing view from the, the top of that street. You mean I'm the only person on this podcast right now that hasn't been to San Fran? It sounds like it. <laughs> it does sound like it, doesn't it? I better, I better get there real quick. Now, who was it? Was it uh, was it you, Hengji, that met uh, Steve? Steve Wozniak, Wozniak yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. I, now I so saw he I, was. Yeah, go on. Tell me about that. Uh, he was this amazing character. Um, I met him when he flew down. He was giving some talks uh, to a bunch of people at the uh, events, Viaduct Event Center, and he was telling everyone stories about how him and Steve Jobs used to, you know, do pranks on people and how they started Apple. And it was such an amazing, you know, sort of morning while I was there. Um, I was really lucky to have gotten in because the, the seats were limited and really expensive as well. So I also took a photo of him. And the surprising thing was that, and someone else pointed out later, was that I was wearing the same sort of shoes that he was. Oh, is that right? Uh, yeah. Great minds think alike, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I actually met him myself in in Caraca, I think, just south of Auckland. That was when they came oh. over for, because he's in the um, in the US Segway Polo team, and there was the New Zealand versus US match that was being held at Caraca. <laughs> And so I went there not not to watch the match, but just to to go and have a chat to, to Waz. So I did. You know, I rocked on up to the tent after the game, and one of the one of the team members came out, and I I just said, "Oh, look, I was wondering whether I could have a chat to Waz." And and you know, they were really friendly. They said, yeah, "Sure, sure, come on through, come on." And you know, you, you know, Waz, there's someone here who wants to talk to you. And and I had a brief chat and got got my photo taken as well with him. So that was good. He's a neat guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's a really cool guy, really hip, knows a lot about computers, and is just, you know, in general, a really fun guy to talk to. Tell you what, guys, we'll move on from Notable. I think that is a, a an awesome achievement. Congrats, all three of you, really. Obviously, Alice isn't, isn't on the show at the moment, but uh, congrats yeah. on, on what you've got so far and wishing you all the best for wherever it takes you. Thank you. So if you want to go on Notable, it's uh, notable.ac. So go on there and request an invite, and you'll feel, you know, feel free to go do that if you've got the time. So I'll throw. How about I throw a link in our show notes to that? Notable. Sure, that sounds awesome. Okay, so notable.ac. By the way, AC is the was it Ascension Island? I think uh, domain. Yeah, isn't it? But that's not where it's based, yeah. is it? That's nothing to do with AC. Is because it's academic. Is that how you chose it? Um. So yeah, technically it is for Ascension Island, but. Uh, we figured it was better because it was sort of like academic and it's global. Yeah, and, and I think trying to, get, trying to get a dot com is so hard these days. Yeah, it is. Uh, Notable dot com, I'm mm. sure, is is taken. Let's have a look. Have you seen what it is? Hope it's nothing nothing dodgy because I've just gone there. I oh, know. Here we go. Album. Uh, no, it's I think it's a music production. Ah, oh, it is too. Yeah. 
Maybe they could produce our podcast. Hey, that might be quite good. Anyway, I'm getting <laughs> sidetracked. Stop getting sidetracked, Ed. It's what we do here, isn't it? Hey, look, guys, thanks very much. You guys keen to stick around for the rest of the show? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sounds great. Great. Awesome. Because we've got a few stories uh, that we've lined up to talk about. First of all, Apple. Oh, yeah. You've probably heard that, of course, a, you know, a, a while ago, Apple announced that it was ditching Google Maps. In fact, it's it's really ditching as much Google as it can. Now, of course, the two uh, are pretty much in direct competition with each other now, which is quite different to, you know, five or six years ago. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, that, buddy. That's right. So anyway, Apple developed their own maps, their own map, you know, you know, map technology for the iPhone, and it's mm-hmm. now, I think, bundled with iOS 6. Yep, compulsory yep. if you upgrade to iOS 6. Uh-huh. And how's it been received, Brett? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's missing a bunch of stuff. Some towns are in the wrong place. There's a museum in the middle of a river is one example, I think, uh, that, that came up on the uh, yep. one of the sites I read. What a mess. What do you make of that? Yep. It's horrible. <laughs> you would I, not I want to use it to actually they, uh, find your way to go somewhere. Yeah. I think Apple figured that, oh, they can just buy some mapping data and it'll all be good. And they underestimated how much work Google's actually had to do to get yeah. their maps into a good state. See, um, I, it, it's a bit embarrassing for it, Apple, it but I think... It's not about having somebody whip up an app that can process mapping data from... From a, a mapping company, it's about knowing what you're doing with mapping. Yeah, because they got their data from TomTom, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and TomTom produces good data. Yeah, so I remember reading on a blog post that they said that it's not the data that's the problem; it's the algorithms that they, the Apple use to check whether or not it's calibrated well enough, or whether or not it's you know using the right data at the right moment that. Because they used algorithms and those algorithms weren't good enough because they hadn't been vetted by human beings that this problem has been caused. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's really you know, Apple's engineers, right? Yeah, or to maybe blame. they did it because it was, it was simply too much data. So it's rather embarrassing because I, I think, you know, especially with, of course, the iPhone 5, which is interestingly the sixth iPhone, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, the 4S was the unofficial fifth one. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Apple and their naming. Because what was it? The iPad is now called like the new iPad, not the it's, iPad 3. No, no, it's just it's just called the iPad. Is it? I thought it was called a new iPad. No, no. It's, ah, it's, it's Yeah. Well, you, uh, there you go. Case in point. No one knows what anything's called anymore. But anyway, <laughs> back, to, but back to the maps. I mean, it, they've obviously released it prematurely, haven't they? This is like a, a beta. This is not This is not production. It, it, it should looks not like. have been put into iOS 6 and it should not be the, the flagship, the well, the, the mapping solution on the new iPhone 5, which is released this week. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. It's a big faux pas on their part, yeah. yeah. And, and you, know, you know, I think it's difficult to do this justice over an audio podcast, but I, I think, you know, if, if you want to Google Apple Maps, you'll see some screenshots, some comparative screenshots between between Google and Apple Maps and you can kind of see like there's obviously something very funky going on with the Apple Maps, <laughs> let's say. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a blunder. And actually still on Apple, did you also hear about the clock on the uh, on the iOS, I- iOS 6? Oh, yeah. It looks, doesn't it look suspiciously like-, like the official Swiss railway clock? It, it does indeed. It does indeed. But Edwin, 
I would have expected you to come back with completely defending Apple's use of somebody else's trademarked material without asking or without paying licensing. Because no, only, only, Sa- only Samsung do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, no, there's no excuse for it. And the thing is, you know, you look at these, I'm looking at a screenshot here where we've got the, the clock face for iOS 6. The clock face, which I'm very familiar with for the Swiss Railway uh, clock, because I've actually got one in my house. I know exactly what they look like. And I can tell, when I look at the iOS 6 one, to me, straight away, that's the Swiss Railway clock. Yeah. Seeing them side by side, there is no doubt. It's even the second hand. The second hand is so unique. Exactly. With in the its placement sort of and, its, the end, yeah. and the balance between the, the short and long end of it. It's all exactly duplicated. The only thing is, they've missed the Swiss Railway logo. Yeah, yeah, they, they, haven't, it, haven't, they, they? haven't put the branding on it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. on that. So, I don't know, are the wheels falling off Apple, or is this just a minor blip? No, 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 the, the wheels are falling off Apple. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, silly question. To Jobs put to Brett, is gone, isn't it? there's no good leadership there. Oh, <laughs> hey, look, I tell you what, let's, let's find they're out. Running, I want to find out. They're running their hamsters in their little wheels and trying to bring up innovations and all they're doing is shooting themselves in the foot. Okay, I want to, before we carry on with this, I want to find out whether I'm being outnumbered here. Hengji, are you a Windows user or Mac or what, Linux? Uh, ah, got, got apparently Hengji just got disconnected. Well, it's on a Mac, so that must be the problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here well, we go. go. <laughs> oh, here we go. So I, I take it then, I take it, uh, I'll just add him back in, but in the meantime, I take it, Jordan, that you're not on a Mac. No, no. Uh, I mean, I use Linux 90% of the time, 95% of the time. And, I mean, there's occasional hard compatibility issues, but I just find it much more productive than anything else. So, yeah. Um, I generally use Ubuntu. We're back, right? Yep. yep. So, Hingji, I was just uh, I was just checking. You're on a Mac, right? Yes, I am. Excellent. You and I are buddies. Right. Uh, and, and as as for Brett and... High and, five. <laughs> high five, virtual high five. Yeah. Um, so so that the other two can bash the Mac all they like, but you know, at least there's two of us to defend it. But the thing is, the thing is, look, people do pick on these things. I mean, yes, that is rather embarrassing. This the whole clock face thing, especially when when Apple's in court with Samsung over the you know copying and 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 so on. Yeah, yeah, over copying and breaching all these you know trademarks and IP. That's stuff. right. And, and Apple's gone and done it themselves. I know. So it's kind of. Anyway, so I understand that Swiss Railways are mounting a case because they uh, they're going to basically uh, take Apple to task over it. I think they want some as money. They should. I think they want some money. As they should. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no, absolutely. It's within their rights, right? Yes, that is yeah. theirs. That is their design. It very much looks like it. <laughs> All right, now Europe apparently is getting to the bottom of the barrel for internet addresses. We're talking IPv4 here. And so now, from now on, companies in Europe can only make one further application for a block of IPv4 addresses. And if it's successful, they will only be issued 1,024 of them. So that's four class Cs, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's not a lot. No. no, it's not a lot. If you're a, a, a growing ISP, for example, a thousand extra customers is is not well. Actually, that's uh, it's going to be shared. So, but but still, mm. it's it's not a lot. No. <laughs> 
We need IPv6. Oh, yeah. The thing is, IPv6... IPv6 has been implemented for ages. Yeah, but it hasn't really... It's just... It hasn't, it hasn't been taken up by the, the, the main trunks that actually need to grab hold of it and start dishing them out. It's Pretty much like every a, operating system on every computer running today is oh, set it. to use IPv6. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. And you can set your own, you know, your own local networks to be IPv6. But <laughs> you need the you need the main trunks, you need the those to switch. Yeah. I think I mean so they'll in the short term they'll deal with it by putting everybody on IPv4 behind a net. So you have one IPv4 address but lots of people are sitting behind it. Which is horrible mm. because then it means that Nobody can run their own service from home. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully yeah. at the same time they do that, they'll start offering people proper IPv6 addresses, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, that's perfectly possible for just anyone to do that. They don't actually do it yet. So, yeah. Yeah. We just need them to actually do it. If they make the move, everything will shuffle along. They just haven't. i tell you what I'll miss, though, with IPv6, and that is that, uh, the, you know the simplicity of remembering your, your IP address. You know it's it's four numbers. Yeah, yeah. 192.168.24.75. I mean that's it's so easy to remember, right? After a while. Yeah, yeah. IPv6. Yeah, yeah. I can remember the. I, mean, I can remember the IP addresses of all the DNSs I've had to. Yeah, exactly. Input over yeah, the years. yeah, exactly. Things like that. You know, when you have to put DNS entries in and and whatnot, it's just so easy. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult to remember oh, the IPv6 yeah. addresses. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and of course the note not only uh, is it going to be longer, but the notation's changed as well, isn't it? The the notation I think yep. is hex, isn't it for IPv6? Yep. Yeah, and they use uh, colons to between each each block. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. colons as well, which is different. And and, and I think zeros can so be suppressed. So much longer to right? say than dot. <laughs> oh yeah, Col- yeah, yeah, that's a point I hadn't thought of that. Zero zero colon f four colon. Yeah, that's no good. But anyway, <laughs> I guess. Uh, that's the way it is. Thank goodness for DNS, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, Internet Explorer, Poison Ivy, right? It's had some issues. <laughs> it's had some issues. So Poison yeah. Ivy, of course, is, is the big one there where it's a virus that allows the hacker to get basically remote access to your machine and, and issue mm-hmm. whatever command they want to issue. Basically own your machine. Yep. That's Via a real- malicious website. <laughs> yeah. And that's been a real bugbear for Microsoft because they've issued uh, a temporary uh, bug fix at the moment, a temporary patch, but they're working on a a more permanent solution. But of course, in the meantime, the German government has told its citizens, you must stop using Internet Explorer. I'm sure they didn't say you must. I'm sure they said, you really (laughs) should. (laughs) While while Microsoft is working on a fix, you should switch to a different browser. Of course I didn't say you must. I'm being facetious here. Try one that's faster. (laughs) Switch to Opera. Well, actually, here we go. Let's find out what browsers you would go for. Brett, what are you going to go for if it's not IE? Um, Opera. Opera. King G? Chrome. Chrome, okay. Jordan? Chrome. Interesting. Firefox. Right. Okay. I'd go for, I'd go for Safari, and if <laughs> need, if needed, if needed, Opera. My gosh, we actually agree on something, Brett. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a first. Of we course, should. you can't have Safari on Windows anymore. Really? Have they stopped that? Yeah. Well, they stopped it when uh, they released Mountain Lion. Is that? I never realised that. Is that right? I never picked up on that. Yeah, well, it just goes to show, like, not a lot of people used it. It wasn't the best browser on Windows because 
No, yeah, no, it was it was actually quite shocking. Well, the, and the thing a is, pretty clunky user interface. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. In terms of it, the way it integrates with the Windows operating system, absolutely, totally agree with you. As a browser per se, I think it's absolutely fantastic because it was the first and uh, I think the the only one for a while to conform to the ACTS three. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Firefox isn't there yet. Chrome, I don't think, is there yet either. I've posted in there for a long time. Every major browser has supported Acid 3 or got 100% Acid 3 for quite a while now. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> the thing is, in its early days, I mean, Safari was the only one for a while. Opera, I think, from memory, was second. And then the, the, those two were kind of the really the only two that you could get at 100% for a while, which is interesting because I thought Firefox would be up there. And if it, uh, according to you, they are, they are now, but it uh, took them a little while. Okay, so Safari's not available for PC. I've learned something today. I'm glad we got you guys on the show, see? Yeah, so since version V6.0, they basically just pulled the link down silently and, you know, some people made a fuss about it, but not a lot. I don't think it was very heavily used at all on on Windows, was it? No. I suspect also part of the reason why they pulled Safari um, off was because the new features in 6.0, like the iCloud tabs, for instance, required you to log on, log in with your uh, Apple ID, which they obviously didn't want to implement on on Windows. Right. Interesting. All right. So anyway, Internet Explorer is pretty much, because I thought Internet Explorer, I must, look, let's give credit where credit's due. Internet Explorer has come a long way in terms of standards. I mean, do you remember, do you remember six they, version six? Oh, version six was it's the devil's browser. Oh, absolutely! And seven had a <laughs> few of the standards, you know, implemented. Eight had a, a few more, and nine is uh, I, I don't know whether it would pass the ACID test three, but it certainly implemented a lot more of the standards. And you know, I was kind of thinking, oh, this is the mm. new Microsoft. This is great, and it still is a great. Well, it is a a browser that's improving, I should say. Uh, <laughs> let's not go too far. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, with Notable, it doesn't run on IE9, but it does work on IE10. So there's actually still things in IE9, which is not Right, that are like, lacking. Mm. IE10 yeah, is, yeah, yeah. So part of the reason quite, why quite good. 10 only works is because we're using a lot of advanced sort of HTML5 features that's only available in the latest browsers. IE9 is 100% Acid Test 3 compatible. Is it? Yes. Okay. Wow. There must be some. I mean, I, it's acid. The acid tests don't test every standard, do they? They don't test every feature. So it's not you know it's not written by W three C. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't test everything, and also I mean, acid three is quite old these days. So there's a lot it, of features that we use that sort of things that happen since acid three. Probably when HTML five is ratified, then they'll come up with a. So in another decade or two, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about ratification the here. HTML5 uh, timeline up to 2004. Uh, I mean, 2004, 2014. 2014, sorry. right. Yeah, and uh, 5.1 and 2, by 2016. So they've moved it up quite a bit now. Yeah, these things do move rather slowly. But in a, in a way, that's a good thing to some extent because, you know, when I don't, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm getting older, but when things move too fast, I... <laughs> It's like, oh no, I end up well, skipping, skipping yeah. versions. Right, indeed. You you want something to become stable and usable that doesn't drastically alter 
too rapidly because then everything that you've just spent months developing, you then have to sit back and go, okay, uh, this is all changed to that. Uh, do we spend another couple of months changing ours to that <laughs> to work better or do we just release what we've got? Mm. So you want something to be stable for a while. And episode three was launched on the 3rd of March in 2008. Yeah, that is, that is a while ago now, isn't it? Yeah. All right, Facebook is suspending the photo tag tool in Europe. Why are they doing that? Uh, they're doing that following on from a list of recommendations that were sent to them by the Data Protection Commissioner from Ireland as things that they needed to look at in their privacy policies and the way that they implement their, their data housing and their deletion, the retention of their data, to comply with the EU data protection laws. So they sent a whole heap of requests. And one of those um, recommendations was that this facial recognition on photos could breach privacy. So it's been removed for the time being. It's been suspended while the investigation continues. So if, if Facebook, let, let's just walk through this. If Facebook, if the tool on face, you know, the, the technology that Facebook have for facial recognition, when it detects a face that it thinks is a certain person, it only suggests... It tags an, them. It, but it only makes a suggestion of a tag, does it? Or does it actually... Is that tag then, if you like, uh, complete? Or does it's it actually... Total, I believe, isn't it? Because I, I thought it... I, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was... Um, that would say, you know, is this so-and-so or is this... Yeah. Right, but do you still have to confirm it, right? I think so, so yeah. Yeah, it suggests when you upload a photo and it scans through it and it thinks it might know some of the other people in there, it will suggest do you think, who they might would, be. Would you, do you agree with, with based Facebook? Based on previous but, tagged photos. Do you agree with uh, fa- Facebook on this? Is this a, a privacy issue? Uh, well, it's definitely a privacy issue when you don't have control over your face being tagged. Because remember, the, the tag suggestions are suggested to the person who uploaded the photo. Now, you might be a passerby in the background of somebody else's photo, and it suggests your face is this person as a possible tag to the person who uploaded the photo. But someone else could, I mean, a person, the person who's, who's uploaded the photo could actually tag you if they, if they knew you. Yeah, yeah, they could. If they knew. If they knew you. But if they didn't, then it would actually go and say, this person's name is so-and-so. So, you know, exactly. if you go to a party and there was a lady across the dance floor, Edward, and you liked the look of her jib. And you took a picture. And you uploaded it to Facebook. Facebook said, "Oh, you've got a picture of Mary Ann." And here's her cell phone number. <laughs> Would you like to tag Mary Ann? Would you like to call and her? Here's Mary Ann's here. Facebook page. <laughs> oh, so yeah, man. it is a privacy issue, Edwin. It is indeed. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. I can accept that. They should. If they, imagine if they integrated this into Skype, call her now. Yeah, that wouldn't work. <laughs> that would not go down. Oh dear. <laughs> We don't need more suggestions for stalker apps, Ed. We don't. <laughs> That's right. That's right. In fact, you know what? Here's a little secret for those of you uh, listening to the show. If you don't know how this works, whenever we get guests on, I got to contact these people somehow, right? And so I end up actually kind of cyber stalking them. That's how I get hold of you guys. 
Because <laughs> some people don't have, you know, so, some of you are, are pretty good out there. And hey, so, hey, here's me. Here's a page about me. And I did this and I was in the news recently. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's the right person. Click the contact button. There we go. Others don't. And it's like, sometimes I have to look at the who is information for a domain name they've registered. Or I have to try and match their Twitter name to a, a name they've used somewhere else. So I, I do this. I, I, I kind of cyberstalk my guests to get them on the sh- to, to get in contact with them. That's that's how I do it. <laughs> so what you're saying, Ed, is that you have tradable skills, and we could become private investigators, utilizing your your um, cyber tracking skills. Well, maybe in a little bit of time, maybe I, need, I, I could refine them a little bit. But over time, perhaps, <laughs> maybe. Well, I'll let you Push know. Our day jobs <laughs> have become and become. Private investigators. <laughs> I'll let I'll let you know when I get that confident. All right. Okay. I still haven't managed to get uh, Kim dot com on the show. <sighs> Although I, I, of course, his Twitter account's pretty open, and everyone knows where he who he is there. But mm-hmm. anyway, let's move. Let's move on. <laughs> well, he's he's kind of busy. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of busy. Uh, uh, yeah, fair enough too. Right. <laughs> his time might free up if he wins his case. Uh, if he loses, then I, I don't think you're ever going to get him. No, no, that's right. Yeah, because if he loses the case, I mean, he'll he'll be Guantanamo Bay or probably he'll be somewhere. Yeah, but if he wins the case, then then you might be able to to get him on the show. I just want to go for a swim in his pool. That's all. Now the iPhone five is <laughs> the iPhone. That's not creepy cyberstalker at all, Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is getting a little weird. This is sounding a little weird now. Okay, the iPhone the iPhone five is apparently jailbroken, according to a hacker. A, by, a guy by the name of Grant. You can't buy them till Friday. Yeah, how does that work? Somebody's got one before. <laughs> I think they've released yeah. it in the, in the states, uh, big right? Countries already. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I was going to say because this guy has has made this claim that he's jailbroken the the iPhone five, and I w- I had a look on his Twitter account, and a lot of people are questioning him, saying, "Look, you know, can you prove it? Is this real? Are you, you know?" And he's showing photos and whatnot and screenshots, and he's responding to people's requests. Can you show a screenshot of such and such? And he's he's responding. It looks fairly legit. Mm. Is it fair to say that? iPhones are getting jailbroken faster now that Tim Cook's in charge? Yeah. Yeah, I knew is. you'd go for that bait. <laughs> I knew you'd go for the bait, Brett. <laughs> well, well if whether or at- not it's got any relation to the fact that Jobs is not there anymore, um, I, I highly doubt it. I think it's the fact that we've had six major releases of iOS, several minor releases in between time, and the hacking community, the, the jailbreaking community are incredibly onto it and they know that operating system pretty much as well as the people who design it and implement it. So if only minor changes were made to iOS 6, then it, it does not surprise me if it's been jailbroken this fast. The timeline for jailbreaking iPhones has drastically decreased since the first one. Yeah. I think if you also, take a look at the... Um, the sort of A5 chips like the 4S and uh, uh, is the 4 on the A5? I, I don't think so. Um, so like the iPad 2, the iPad, the new iPad, jailbreaking them is very hard and it's very difficult. And most of the time it's because of that specific chip in there. So I suspect with the A6, because it's a custom you know, implementation of ARM, they must have done something or they must have gone to something that made it extremely easy to crack. 
So perhaps in the future, like with the A7, as they refine it, they'll have they'll bring in the sort of same security features in the A5 over to the A7, and it would just make it as you know difficult to crack as as it is today. So those loopholes would slowly get closed. Yeah. Mm. Well, if you look at the uh, Apple TV3, for instance, there's no jailbreak out for it yet. And it's been released for almost a year now. So and the reason why is because it's on the A5. Yeah, I think, I mean, probably the bit, one of the reasons why it would be so quick this time is because usually they'll find more bugs than they need. So they'll, they'll have found a bug probably with the iPhone 4S that they don't they've already found another bug that they can use for their published uh, jailbreak so they can keep the other one just you know just bite it down or record it and then when the new phone comes out they've already got a few banked they can just oh use. I see so keeping a few mm. tricks up your sleeve for the next version yeah, yeah. when yeah. needed yeah well yeah. that's I guess that kind of makes sense so this this method I don't know that he's disclosed it but the method he used you're saying if this was the case that could have been potentially developed for the iPhone 4 or the 4S right yeah, yeah, they may have found it. Uh, was I think it's? I mean, usually I think it's more dependent on the iOS version. So they may have found that flaw in iOS uh, five. Oh, I see. Okay. Under, kept it under wraps, and then when iOS six comes out, they just see if it's still there and hope that no one's Apple's noticed it. Yeah, which is unlikely yep. to have if they haven't. If no, especially if no one's reported it, right? Yeah, interesting. So that was a very very quick jailbreak, I must say. And a very simple one to implement. Does he give details on that? Uh, there is already a Redstone tutorial for it. Oh, it's is there already? six steps long. <laughs> oh, man. Really? Six steps? Six easy yep. steps? Uh, six pretty easy steps. It's a tethered jailbreak, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a tethered jailbreak. Yeah. What sort of phones do you yeah. guys have? Hengji, what have you got? iPhone iPhone 4S. 4S, nice. What about you, uh, Jordan? I've got a Galaxy S2. Galaxy um, S2, oh, very nice as well. But in CM10, so it's Jelly Bean. Oh, right, okay, right. I love Android names. <laughs> they make me hungry. <laughs> they have the greatest names. It's like, what are you running, Gingerbread? What are you running, Jelly Bean? Ice Cream Sandwich. I think that was my favourite one. Ice Cream Sandwich. You know, I've never heard of an ice cream sandwich until... You know, that version of... I used to be able to get ice cream sandwiches around here all. Really? No. Yeah. I've never heard of them. ice cream wedged between two biscuity bits. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. Like maybe Eskimo I've, pie, but not. Maybe I've been going to all the wrong places, but I, I'd never heard of this in my life before. Um, I was introduced yeah. to a whole new dessert. Via so, uh, an Android yeah, <laughs> version yeah, yeah. name. <laughs> so, so the reason for that, that of an ice cream sandwich was because they already had Froyo. Uh, and this is in all the uh, statues they have outside their office. Which we actually visited when we were over there. And the ice cream looked too similar to the Froyo, so they had to do something else. But they liked ice cream, so they turned it into an ice cream sandwich. Oh, is that how that worked? Oh, okay. And does anyone have any insight as to what they're going to choose next? Key lime pie has been talked about, but it's all rumours. Key lime pie? Uh, yes. That is awesome. I, I have a key lime pie behind me right now. Yeah? <laughs> it's my dessert. Really? <laughs> yes. Really? Yep. You get them in these <laughs> neat little glass containers from a company called Goo. Spelled G-U. 
and one of their flavors is key lime pie. It's my favorite one. You guys are making me hungry. I, I might have to get something <laughs> like that for morning tea. <laughs> All right, look, I think we've well and truly done the show. Lime pie with your raspberry pie, Ed. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, in fact, I think next week we should talk about um, Ben Sunko, one of our regular panelists, has has done a little bit of experimenting with his raspberry pie. We're talking about mm. the, the computer here, not the dessert. So we should um, talk about that, definitely. Look, uh, anyway, I think we've well and truly done the show. Before we sign off, I really do want to say once again, congratulations to Hingji and Jordan on what you've achieved with Notable.ac. Well done. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. And also, thank you very much for doing the show with us. It really is our pleasure to have you on the show. It was really fun to be able to do it with you guys as well. All right, guys, look, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Now, if people want to get in touch with you guys, what's the best way to, you know, you've got a website, a Facebook, a Twitter, or something like that? So you can find us online on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, the handle is notableac or notable.ac. If you want to email us, we're at support at notable.ac. And obviously, if you want to uh, browse our site or uh, request an invite, um, you can go to our website, notable.ac. So, yeah, we're we're everywhere. And Olive's done a great job making sure that we are. Yeah, absolutely. Let's not forget the, uh, I guess, one of the most important things once you've got a product is actually getting it out there, isn't it? So, so well well done. Marketing and branding. And you have a very cool logo. Yeah, I, I, I must. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like it. I really like it. Yeah, we just launched that today, uh, earlier uh, this morning. So just for you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I like it. All right, it well, is well, a very cool logo. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it is cool. I like it. Awesome. Look, thank you once again. And that was episode 185. Brett, also, thank you very much for joining us on the panel this week. Always a pleasure. Excellent. All right. We'll see you all again next week. Till then, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Ciao. Okay. Yeah.